Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of Tour Talk. Wow, what a week it's been in the golf world. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, we're going to bring you up to speed on all the news that has been breaking around Phil Mickelson and his uh, meltdown and PR implosion over this Saudi Super League. And the one to break it all down for us, our top golf insider, Bob Herrig from SI.com. Hey, Bob. Hello. How you doing? Well, uh, certainly the biggest story we've had in quite some time, other than Tiger Woods. <laughs> um, but, you know, where I'd like to start with this is if we can go back to how this all, these rumblings last week of some of the comments that Phil made uh, so that my listeners have a little timeline on this because, you know, for those of us that are deep in the weeds, um, they may not be quite up to speed. Well, I mean, it really goes farther back than that. I mean... There have been rumblings of a secondary tour, a rival tour, a, a big money tour going back two plus years. You know, it really kind of came out in full right before the pandemic began. And then the pandemic kind of put it on the back burner. And then last year, uh, again, it it, uh, it got some legs. There was, in, in the spring, you might recall, right after the Masters, there was talk of this this super league or this super golf league and what actually had happened was there was something called the premier golf league and then they had they had actually had saudi investors and then they split and this saudi entity kind of went to the forefront and in the fall we heard that greg norman was part of this live golf investments with which is the company that they are putting forth to run all this and Norman was announced as the CEO of a to-be-named league. It hasn't, it hasn't even been named yet. They don't really have an official name. We've all just been referring to it as the Saudi Golf League. As you and I have talked, I mean, I think there's a misnomer that everything would be taking place over there. That's not how it would have worked or would work. Um, you know, they were supposed to be worldwide events with, with a majority of them in North America. Uh, but yeah, it, it just kind of it's, it's kept building. Like there have been starts and stops from Live Golf about when they're going to announce. They've 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 announced things in dribs and drabs. Executives, acquisition people, rules people, lot lot of heavy hitters in media, marketing, but, but no thing, players. Exactly, and they've kept putting that off. They kept delaying it, and they kept delaying it. And I think what's happened is, my understanding was, is there was a bunch of players ready to sign on, but they wanted strength in numbers, and they didn't want to, they didn't want just two guys to be announced or four or eight at once. You know, and they were talking about getting to 20. Right, and I've used the example of if you, if you, if you, me, and five other people are standing on the edge of a cliff and we're going to jump down 100 feet into a lagoon, it might seem kind of scary, but hey, you go first and I'll follow you. Well, then you jump in and it doesn't look so great to me, and so I say, nah, no thanks, I'm not going to go. So the idea was is we're all going to hold hands and jump at once, right? So, like, in other words, we're, we're taking the plunge together. The idea was we're going to get 20 names. They're going to all be announced at the same time. 
And the various rumblings have been, and my contacts within Live have said they were very close to that or they were there, that they have even signed people and paid people. So they're that far along. But now you just have the developments of the last week. And, you know, Phil had some comments in Golf Digest a few weeks ago that were very explosive and controversial. And then the latest thing that's come out, in, you know, on the Fire Pit Collective that Alan Shipnuck wrote, you know, it was, it's, it's basically stuff he was saving for a book he's doing on Phil that they decided, you know, it was, it was too important to sit on. And that kind of blew it all open. Because Phil's comments were so, um, you know, I, I don't want to say out, Yeah, yeah, they weren't outrageous. They were, they were offensive to the tour. He he used some language that was offensive. He he called out what a lot of people have been saying about the whole Saudi thing. And look, to me, that's separate. The Saudi involvement is something that was always going to be an elephant in the room for this venture. Absolutely. But even if, even if it wasn't them, I keep saying this, like to try to keep the politics out of it. If it were Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, or Mark Cuban, or Elon Musk putting up the money, this would still be controversial. Because what he's done is he's been very pointed in his criticism of the PGA Tour. He's admitted that he's using this other entity the live golf investments, but it could have been Mark Cuban or Elon Musk to create leverage. And, and he, then he admitted that he, he, he's not even sure he hope, that, that he hopes it succeeds. It's just that yeah. if it can get us more from the PJ Tour, then it's good. So when you go back to the Golf Digest comments, obnoxious greed, all right, well, let's look in the mirror, right? What's obnoxious greed, you know, is to actually go to those lengths. I mean, you know, look, Phil, Phil's been on the PGA Tour for 30 years. He has, his platform has been based, his endorsers, his, his, his you know, his brand has all been based on what he has done out there. And he was really, you know, kind of dumping on them. And, and it, uh, it was shocking. And, and it annoyed people. It annoyed a lot of people. A lot of players have spoken out, and you know. And you know, then there's this bit about was what he said on the record. Um, you know, look, I, I haven't been through these wars for many, many years. We all know the rules. If you don't say it's off the record, it's usable. You know, and but Bill, more than anybody, knows that. Absolutely. Now, do I think he intended for it to be printed? Absolutely not. There's no way you say what you say like that, thinking it's going to be in print. And so my guess is he thought it was understood it was off the record. Or, but, but, you know, like you said, he's been through this. Why would you not make that clear? Why would you not just be absolutely certain? I've had people I've interviewed will say those words to me ten times in a half hour. Hey, now this is off the record. You know, hey, look, here's blah, 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 blah. Now, just you remember, I, you're not, you can't use this. <laughs> they, they go overboard. I'm like, yeah, of course, I get it. I understand. You're just telling me for background. I can't use it. When it's done, I'll say, is there anything I can use? What can I use? Can I quote you on anything? And then, and then maybe they will come to an agreement that here's what you can use from me. You know, that clearly didn't happen in this case. And, you know, again, I'll stand by what Shipnuck did because by the letter of the law, 
um, it appears to me that this Phil never said those words. You know, but I also completely understand that Phil never intended them to be out there, and but now he's stuck with it, and it's um, it's it's quite the mess that he's made. And he called Shitna right in November. Well, the, here's the way I understand that. You know, he wrote he's written the biography of Phil without his without his help, which by the and way is titled. The Phil, the rip roaring and unauthorized biography of golf's most colorful superstar. So you might look at also perhaps the intention of the author here. Well, but I mean, listen. In his defense, a lot of biographies aren't authorized. You know, I mean, and frankly, a lot of times they're better. You know, and if, if the, the the key is if even if it's unauthorized, if you can get any cooperation. You know, like uh, Ian O'Connor wrote a great book on Derek Jeter. Jeter didn't sit down to be interviewed for right. the book, but he, he allowed himself to be interviewed at times, knowing that, that, that it was coming. And so, you know, was he happy with it? I'm sure he wasn't happy with all of it. But that's a pretty good assessment of, of, of someone. If it's completely authorized, what are the chances it's going to be watered down? You know, so in that regard, but I'm sure he's been trying to get him. And finally, at the last minute, he decided to help him out. So he called him up. Well, clearly, if, you know, you're writing a book about a guy and you're, you're, and you're on the phone with them, the expectation is you're calling me so that I can, you can use do it. some of this. Yeah. Sure. You know, so, and that, you know, that's, that's a little journalism lesson there, but it's. Um, well, he certainly knew it was in the works. Alan said he's conducted nearly 200 interviews, uh, which, right. you know, as you know, with your own book that's coming out, there's, there's a lot of due diligence, um, you know, uh, to, to get a book out. Exactly. You know, I've probably, for mine on Tiger and Phil, I've probably did 150 interviews. You know, I wasn't doing a deep dive biography on these guys like he is. Mine's, mine's somewhat biographical, you know, just in terms of, You've got to lay out their lives, but sure, I mean, their it was it was more though about the interaction of their careers, you know, not the you know off the course stuff. I only re- referenced that Tiger scandal, Phil's gambling issues. That's in my book, but only as it really related to their careers, as it as it uh, as it affected each other. I mean, you know, in Tiger's scandal case, when he first came back, it was at the Masters in 2010, and Phil won that. You know, in 2016-17 time frame, when Tiger wasn't playing and he was completely out, and Phil could have stepped forward maybe as the face of golf a little bit more, although, you know, he was already well into his 40s, he's got this IRS-SEC thing dogging him. You know, the FBI comes to a tournament to talk to them, you know. So, you know, as it related to that, yeah, it was, it was important. And also, Phil was a, a well-known and good-natured on-course gambler, of which there are numerous stories, you know, which I try to recount, you know. So, um, in any case, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're going to talk to a lot of people when you're trying to do all this. So... Of course, a lot of people scratching their heads. Not only the degree of his of his comments and his seeming to just 
have gone off the rails here. Uh, <laughs> his uh, somewhat lack of apology, apology, and right. um, you know uh, that whole uh, mishigash, if you will, in his statement that was released. And so I think it's left a lot of us uh, behind the scenes scratching our heads. You know, is money the only reason uh, that Phil decided to engage with the Saudis, or is there something bigger? And you, you know, hinted to it. I mean, you know, Phil has been the artful dodger getting out of a lot of these incidents. Uh, you know, we've got the situations with the Ryder Cup, 2004 at Oakland Hills, 2014 at uh, Glen Eagles when he threw you know, Tom Watson under the bus at the press conference, you know, the gambling issues, the insider trading, I, I mean, the, the ping pong on the 17th green at Shinnecock, a lot of things here that, you know, Phil has managed to right the ship on. Where, where do you think we are with this? Yeah, you're right. He's he's and he's been criticized a lot at times for you know kind of getting a pass. You know, every every single thing that Tiger did wrong was analyzed and scrutinized to the nth degree, and Phil kind of skated by. You know, like he got away with stuff that was some of these things you're talking about. The kid like, is always stealing the cookie, and he gets away with it. I'm guilty in some ways. I mean, although I. Like, the 2014 thing about Tom Watson, he was heavily criticized for that. I actually felt that, as harsh as it was, he achieved his goal, which they wanted changed to the Ryder Cup. It worked. True. His, he, and, he, and picked, his, he picked the wrong moment, I would say, but... Well, I would argue that if he waited, it wouldn't have had the impact. So it, it was incredibly gutsy of him to do that, and he was. He put himself out there. But his, his comments after that were, it wouldn't have carried the same weight a week later. They would have just done the same old thing. And you know what? He's probably, there's probably some truth to that. Did it need to be as harsh as it was? Probably not. You know, he didn't even address Watson by name that night. He could have been more respectful. In doing it. Hey, look, I respect the career Tom Watson. He's been a great player. He was a winning captain before. But, and it's, and he could have said, it's not his fault. It's the organization's fault. We just brought in a captain who hadn't been part of this for, for the last 20 years. You know, there wasn't collaboration. That's not his fault. That's their fault. You know, he could have said it that way. And, you know, but it put in motion the Ryder Cup task force and look some of it sounds silly but it's led to where we are now look they've they've won two of the last three um they have got the players involved which was important yep and i mean it's it's kind of going down the line the way you would expect you know the it sounds like zach johnson is going to be named the next Ryder cup captain next week and that makes perfect sense he's been an assistant twice he's also been an assistant for the president's cup I believe twice, they've nurtured him to, to do this. He's been in the back room. He was there at uh, at Whistling Straits. You know, he was at, he was in France where they lost, so he sees what happens when things don't go right. And, and he's played in a bunch of both. So, you know, um, this, and this is, this is what they've built to. This is, this, is what, this is what Phil wanted to see. 
and now they've named, I think, Spieth and, uh, you know, as part of the Rodica committee are Spieth and Justin Thomas. Perfect. You've got guys now invested. I mean, you have to give Phil credit for that, you know, but, like, the way he went about it is sort of, it's sort of like this is clumsy. He said, you know, I've always always known that criticism would come with exploring anything new. I still chose to put myself at the forefront of this to inspire change, taking the hits publicly to do work behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, look, he he was... um he was sort of trying to justify his actions in that, uh, look, this wasn't going to be easy. Somebody has to be tough enough to take the criticism. I was willing to do it. Okay. <laughs> Fine. If that's the way you want to go about it, you know. I mean, at, at age 51, is he really caring about, you know, the plight of the PGA Tour going forward? I mean, you know, like if 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 you're gonna if we're gonna talk about looking out for yourself, that doesn't make sense. It sure doesn't you know? when you add up all the things that yeah. we're you know being at the pinnacle really at 51 in his career after the PGA Championship win last year, the opportunities unfolding for his future, as many have said, perhaps in the broadcast booth. Uh, I don't know that playing the senior tour really, you know, has the moxie for Phil, quite honestly, um, in the scheme of things. But it just seems like uh, he, you know, had this opportunity, right, to now get into this very statesmanlike role, especially potential, you know, Ryder Cup captain. Where do you think we are with all that? Yeah, listen, I, that's, that's a, it's a great point. It's, it's the thing, I, I wrote about this this week earlier, in that he, look at what he was set up for without all this. He was going to be able to play the U.S. Open for the next four or five years at least. He's in all the other majors. He could have picked and chose his spots on the Champions Tour and gotten a ton of love and adulation. He was setting himself up to be a great elder statesman in the game. In the likes of Jack and Arnie. Right. He was going to be a Ryder Cup captain. He could have been on TV in the booth, say, you know, at NBC or CBS or whatever. He could have picked his spot. He would have been very, very good at that. Great opinions, great insight. Has he put all that in danger? I mean, like, wouldn't that have been enough? I just, it's just such a puzzling flex on his part. And it just makes me go back to maybe it was all just a ruse and he saw, I can get $30 million if I sign on with these guys. I'm going to go do it. You know, and if he would have just said that, I think he'd, he'd be like, all right, I don't agree with it, but I get it. But all the other stuff, taking down the tour and, you know, Risking the Ryder Cup and all that stuff, it just doesn't make any sense because with all of those things comes plenty of money. You're the Ryder Cup captain, you're going to cash in from that. You know, if he's on TV, how much would they, how much would they have had to pay him a year? Five million a year just for that? You know, and I mean, maybe he thinks that's chump change. But and how you know, much, how much do you need, Bob? I mean, right. my goodness, what's his, his PGA tour pension's got to be over what? Two hundred fifty million. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if it's that much, but it's it's certainly when you have that's the the pension part that isn't the FedEx part that's just based on the cuts is lucrative enough. I mean, and, and you know, thirty years of making cuts on the PGA Tour, where every time you make a cut, they they put in some amount that's tax free and has been growing. You know, it's crazy to think what could be in there. You know, uh, but look, it probably doesn't equate to, wow, somebody's going to give me $30 million and they're going to spread it out over the next four years up front. You know, that's like, it's just weird, but that's, that's how these guys look at it. You know, um, he might have 30 million or 10 million in his retirement account tax free. And maybe that just doesn't move him as much, but uh, it should. Or there's something bigger. Some sort of desperation. He said golf desperately needs change. I don't know. I mean, some of this appears like Phil desperately needed this money. Exactly. I mean, listen, when he says golf desperately needs change, look, this is one of the points where I say he, he has a point. It does need some change. We have too many mundane 72-hole events. The team idea is a start. I don't know if what they were proposing is the answer, but a team concept is a great idea. And we have talked Um, about that in the past. Right. A mixed-team event would be great, or at least a mixed-gender tournament at the same place, like they did at the U.S. Open. It would be great if they could do that all at the same time. That's another idea. How about more match play? Maybe one more match play event instead of just the one that we have. One that isn't a world golf event that has a stroke play component. You know, how about a, another stable for or a quota thing? You know, I mean, they, there's a lot of different things they can do. Um, how about figuring out slow play? How about figuring out, you know, some of the issues in the game, which, of course, they don't, they don't make the rules, but, you know, um, in terms of the ball and the clubs and distance and all that stuff. I mean, there are ways to improve and get better. The tour can be a lot better. It doesn't have to all be about FedEx money, you know. And but let's face it, let's, again, give, give some credit here. Maybe not necessarily to Phil, but this whole Saudi League thing has rattled the cages at the tour. We are seeing already reaction to that. You know, the PIP was part of it this past year. And, oh, by the way, didn't Phil get like $10 million out of that 40 Yeah, we don't know yet. We don't know. There's some rumblings now that maybe, uh, I think it was, I also think it was $8 million to the winner. Um, and 10 guys are going to get paid. Um, but there's some rumblings that, that it might still be Tiger. Um, that would be kind of funny if that were the case. This was one of the tour's moves to give these, you know, give the players some more money for their value. Now, listen, here's the thing. I think that probably was in response to the other league, or at least part of it. But a lot of the other things, and even some of that, is due to the fact that they signed a new TV deal this year. 
So, like, they, they've been talking, like, oh, well, you know, now they raise the FedEx money. They're doing it. They were going to do that anyway. Raising they, the, the players' purse. Right. They got, they've got more money from TV for the next nine years, and so they've turned it around, and they've increased the players' championship. A bunch of purses are up. You know, the Arnold Palmer next week is $12 million purse, just like, the, like Riviera was. That's up, like, $2 million. That's huge. You know, and, and, and the memorial will be the same way. And they, they, the FedEx has gone to, I believe, $75 million from $65 million. The winner's going to get 18 instead of 15 It's going to be $20 million by 2025 to the winner. All of that is due to the increase in revenue that, they, that they're getting from the new TV deal. And let's not it's forget, not. I believe it was Brandel Chambly that mentioned it on Golf Central the other night. The gambling money that's going to be coming into the tour, north right. of what, a billion dollars? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I sort of like, um, I'll believe it when I see it. Even Rory, who's firmly on the tour side, has said that, um, uh, yeah, the tour can improve. There's things they can do better. You know, that's true. I mean, look, we've just gone over a bunch of them. You know, I mean... Uh, if you want to help the, if you want to help the, 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 the name players, um, uh, then maybe you cut down on some field sizes. I've long said, look, Phil's against any kind of added events, which is just not. It's that's not how you serve the the membership at large, you know, and. Um, but I get the point that, you know, 156-player fields are probably not the answer. Well, if they've got the money and they have so much money, why not reduce fields to have 120 players every week and then have 10 opposite events a year? They're mostly going to be filled with people that, that aren't going to move the needle, but they give guys an opportunity. You know, and, 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 and instead of having $8 million purses, have $3 million purses. Give half the FedEx points. Give them an opportunity there. You still get more playing opportunities that way, but you, you don't hurt the product. You know, I've long said that they haven't thought enough about the product. The product is, you know, you've got too many events. It's too long. We can't get, we, we can't be invested in golf, you know, 50 or 48 weeks a year. This is why some of the stuff that came out last week about the fall schedule in 2023, I think this is in direct response to some of this. The, the players are tired of never getting an off week and always having to worry about FedEx points, and now they're throwing out some events where they get paid handsomely. They don't have to participate, but if they do, guaranteed money because of, of their success. But they don't, they don't lose any ground if they don't do anything. They have a very strong point. There's nine events in the fall. And the, and the tour says, well, you know, you can take time off whenever you want if you want to. Well, what if you want to take off then? I mean, like every other sport has two or three months of a downtime. So if you don't play some of those events, you show up in January and you're way behind. They're, they're talking about with this that, you know, the season would go back to ending in September, correct? Well, yeah, like if after the tour championship and then, which is in August, and then, and then, um, and then, but it wouldn't start until January. The FedEx season would be from the Tournament of Champions through the through then. And 
And you know what's good about that? It makes all those events from January on that much more important. Because you don't have nine events before January watering it down. Exactly, yeah, and having players cherry pick and so in, and the field suffering. Right. Has Mickelson burned his bridges with the PGA Tour and his fellow players? <laughs> Where does he go from here? And my goodness, you know, we've got the PGA Championship coming up in May. Of course, Augusta uh, around the corner. Uh, it was interesting yesterday, I've, you know, some of the comments coming from players at the Honda, and we'll get to golf for a few minutes before we close this out, uh, but it, it seemed, you know, a lot of the players um, being kind and gentle to Phil. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's going to have to play out, you know, time heals all wounds, his actions going forward will, will matter, I think. You know, if he's contrite at any at any point, I do think he needs to apologize to Monahan. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, again, just because they haven't done everything right, that doesn't mean they deserve that kind of a, you know, a beatdown. But I mean, it's it's. I don't think it's going to be smooth. I mean, I don't think it's everybody's just going to forgive and forget right away. And we're going to have to, uh, you know, wait this thing out. It's gonna. It, it, it might be a while. Well, I. I do want to point out, too, that you're somebody that, that knows both of these players very well. You have your own book coming out about Phil and Tiger and their rivalry, which is going to be a fascinating read. You know, two of the guys that move the needle in this sport during the, the height of the growth of the, of the PGA Tour. Uh, but we do have the Florida Swing. There is golf this weekend, Bob. We're excited to have the tour in our backyard. Uh, what your final thoughts on, on the Honda and, and um, you know, who's in the field and who should we be looking at? Well, you know, Sung J.M. is the easy one for me. You know, he plays well there every year. One, two years ago, plays great in Florida. <clears throat> has a great record in Florida, was tied eighth at the Honda last year, just won in the fall, playing decent lately. You know, look, it's not a, it's not as strong of a field as we've seen recently, too. So I think that, um, you know, and look, I'm saying this not having looked at the scores for all I know, he's eight over right now. But <laughs> right, um, right. I, it's, and, and look, it's tough. I mean, there was early there was some high scores. Um you know, we're, we're going into that stretch now, these, these two weeks where, you know, they, they're coming off of golf courses that have been, you know, Riviera is not easy, but it doesn't have rough, really. And now we're going into two weeks of, of pretty stern conditions. The weather's been warm, the grass is growing, high rough. You know, you've you got to be playing well. That, that PJ National course has a lot of water. So uh, it's going to be going to be interesting to see. Well, Joaquin Neiman right now is is uh, at the top of the leaderboard. We know it's early yet, as the players are just getting the first round uh, going. Uh, how about that win at Riviera? Wire to wire. Yeah. yeah, which is very rare there. You know, very rare. So um, I'm. Uh, I think he's a guy that's got game that we've been waiting to kind of fire on all cylinders, Bob. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I think we, you know, he won a couple of years ago really early, and now it's been a little while. He, he had to really fight the nerves. He had a lead. He had it the whole time. Looked like he might, uh, you know, 
slip there, but he hung on and he got it done. And that was a, you know, on a, against a great field on a great course. Well, Brooks is in in the field as well. So, uh, you know, this is his home turf playing in South Florida. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if, if uh, this is a moment for Brooks to, to uh, fire up his season. Patrick Reed's in the field, uh, Billy Horschel, some guys who have been playing pretty well. And uh, the bear trap never disappoints us uh, on Sunday, that's for sure. All right, as always, Bob, we appreciate your time. Bob Harris, SI.com, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you.